Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers Week 16 Christmas Eve Saturday evening matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Washington Commanders. Now, San Francisco comes in this Saturday with a 10-4 record. They've won seven straight games, and they have already clinched the NFC West after their 21-13 victory over the Seattle Seahawks just last Thursday, while Washington comes in 7-6-1, holding on to the final and th- third and final NFC wild card spot. They are currently 7-6-1, and they did lose last week to the New York Giants at home 20-12. So very different tales of the tape, both teams kind of San Francisco's ascending. Washington is just kind of floating around and hanging around, hoping to sneak into that final playoff spot. They are the fourth NFC East team in the current playoff picture. Philadelphia is obviously the number one seed. The the, the Cowboys are ten and four. They're the number five seed. While the Giants are currently, I believe, they are the number six seed in the NFC Wild Card. So a lot of NFC East teams currently in the Wild Card picture. But right now, we have to focus on the Niners against the Washington Commanders. And let's start with some good news. Let's dive into some actually really positive news now. Look, when I say what I'm going to say in a minute, I understand why some fans might balk at me and say, who cares and that's a, that's a non-story, but to me, it's actually a huge story because Javon Kinlaw, who has been dealing with knee injuries since the day he got drafted, since he was at South Carolina, he was or he's going to be activated off the IR and is going to play this Saturday against the Washington Commanders, his first game since week three. Now, again, I understand many fans might say, he's made a glass, his knees are weak, and Look, Kinlaw very publicly got into a fight with Grant Cohen about this uh, earlier in the offseason. And while, as of now, that's kind of you know been true of his knees being glass, I do think this is Kinlaw's opportunity to maybe prove some haters wrong. And look, there is no doubt about it. Javon Kinlaw thus far has been a bust. That's just a fact. Now, when he's healthy, he's a good player. A really good player. The issue is he just can't stay healthy, which kind of seems like a very common thing for current Niners players, right? Jimmy G, Javon Kinlaw. But I digress. This is Kinlaw's opportunity to, if he can play the next three weeks, stay healthy, and actually go into the playoffs healthy, 
and can contribute to this defensive line, which currently, I believe, since week three, this is, or since week two, excuse me, since week two, this, I believe, is the first time they will have their starting defensive line healthy at the same time. Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, and Samson Ebukam will all play this Saturday against the Washington Commanders, which is the first time since week two that this number one ranked Niners defense is going to have their starting defensive line. It's crazy. But again, this is Javon Kinlaw's opportunity to kind of sway people of a look. Maybe he's not a bust. Maybe maybe we have him all wrong. Maybe he just needed some time. Now, I do think he's going to be limited. I don't see him playing, you know, 75% of the snaps. But if he can play 50, if he can play 30, that's fine. But if he's effective in those 30 snaps or 30% of the snaps, that's that's money. That is found money. That's me at the, the at the washing machine saying, wow, I found 20 bucks in my pocket. Just like Brock Purdy is, wow, I found $100 in my, my pocket. Wow, no, who puts 100 bucks in their pocket? But you get my point. But Javon Kinlaw, great news. Hoping he can stay healthy this year. Uh, he is a massive need with Kevin Gibbons out. And I joked all last week of, you're going to have Dwumfor play defensive line? Dwumfor? Who the heck is Dwumfor? But Gibbons is out. Uh, Hyder's questionable. Ridgeway's done for the season, who was replacing Kinlaw. So this is a big get back for San Francisco. Now, the other injuries are Debo Samuel with the ankle. Thankfully, it's just the ankle. But he was seen doing individual drills on the side of practice. He's quote-unquote nearing a return likely towards week 18 or the first round of the playoffs for San Francisco. So good news there on the Debo front. And I know right now it's you don't even want to have your eyes towards a quarterback because the way Brock Purdy's playing, you, you really just like ride with that guy. <laughs> There's no reason to change a quarterback, right? But to give you an update, because Potentially, what happens in the next few weeks could determine what Brock Purdy does in the playoffs or even if he starts in the playoffs. Because, look, if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy enough and Brock Purdy falters, there will be a discussion of should Jimmy Garoppolo play. Jimmy Garoppolo, with his foot, is off crutches now. He's in a walking boot, but his return is still unclear. I'm just saying, I'm not saying bench Brock Purdy. I'm just saying that conversation will happen if Brock Purdy does struggle in the last three weeks of the season. That being said, let's dive into if he will struggle in a minute because Chase Young, the, I guess you can say, phenom who had one good year with Washington, top pick a couple years ago, he's going to make his 2020 season debut and we finally get to see Nick Bosa and Chase Young face off for the first time ever in their NFL careers. All the talk in the draft was, how good is Chase Young? Is he a Joey Bosa type? Is he a Nick Bosa type? He can be better, he can be worse. Who is Chase Young? Well, we know who Nick Bosa is. We know Joey Bosa. And I'm not expecting big things from Chase Young in one game, but it's always good to see a young, ultra-talented, physically-talented defensive player like Chase Young back on the field. And it's fitting that we didn't get to see 
this matchup in 2020. Nick Bosa tore his ACL. Didn't happen. Now in 2022, Chase Young tore his ACL last year. We get to see them on the field, I guess, kind of at the same time, albeit different times. <laughs> but you get my point. But going into this game, I think we cannot forget. We, we cannot go a whole podcast without forgetting really what this game is truly about. And yes, on paper it can be, you can get the number one seed still, potentially. Probably won't, but you might be able to. You can get the two seed still. That's more likely, but going to be tough. Vikings have to lose, but mentally, emotionally, you have to ask yourself, is this the Trent Williams revenge game? And Trent Williams was asked this. He said, or he was asked, you know, how do you allow or not allow your history with Washington to cloud your preparation for this week? And he said that if you drove home looking in the rearview mirror the whole time, you'd likely wreck. And he's right. That being said, I do think deep down in Trent Williams, he wants to stick it to Dan Snyder. He wants to shove a big pile of silverback dookie in every single player's face. Like, he wants to stick it to this team and potentially... If the Lions win and the Commanders lose, I believe the Commanders are then out of, or they're in the hunt still, but they are no longer the seven seed. So imagine Trent Williams, his first game against the Commanders, the Washington football team, whatever the heck you want to call them, his first game against them, he will get to potentially knock them out of the NFC playoff picture for at least one week, opening a door for maybe a Seattle or a Lions or whoever else might sneak in there. But that's pretty fitting. But let's dive in 10 minutes into the freaking podcast. Let's dive in to the game itself. And let's focus on the commander's offense. How can the San Francisco 49ers defense stop the commander's offense? And I'll just say this. I don't think they're going to have to. Because the commander's offense... Whenever you watch it, you just kind of go, eh, that's okay. And look, they're 7-6-1. and one. They've won games. They are in arguably, at least this season, the toughest division in football. Every single team, like 7-6-1, and one, is second place in the NFC North. It's first place in the NFC South. Like, 7-6-1 and one isn't a bad record by any means. It's mediocre, but it's not bad. But when you watch this team play on offense, it just kind of looks like just vanilla. It's plain. And they have great playmakers. Curtis Samuel, great. Jahan Dotson, one of the best rookies I mean, really in recent history. He's been phenomenal. He's a great slot guy for them. But it, you can't forget Terry McLaurin, who is arguably likely a top 10 receiver in football. He's great. Like, their offense has weapons. But... The execution is just not there. Their offense ranks 26th in DVOA. Essentially, that's an overall record of your offense is near the bottom of the NFL. Your passing offense ranks 28th, and your rushing offense ranks 25th. And because they have, I guess, a three-ranking, I guess, 
favor towards the rushing offense. They want to establish the run. They do not want to put any game on Taylor Heineke's shoulders. They want to establish the run. Right now, this year, the Commanders are averaging 30 and a half attempts per game. That ranks eighth in the NFL. In their last five games, where they are three, one, and one, including giving the Eagles their only loss of the season, they ran the ball 49 times against Philadelphia, 40 times against the Texans, 37 times against the Falcons, 36 times against the Giants, and 20 times against the Giants again. This team wants to run the football. They are going to use Gibson. They're going to use Brian Robinson. This team is going to want to ground and pound you every single night. Every, that sounded pretty sexual. I'm, I I apologize for that. But, <laughs> but this team is going to want to play action. They're going to want to run the football. This team is going to want to control the clock. And against a team like San Francisco, who is riding high, seven straight wins, they are the only team in the NFL with the top five offense and defense. Like, this is, this is the commander's best test so far. I get it. I understand Philadelphia is the number one seed in the NFC. When it comes to DVOA, which, you know, it's, it's stats, it's nerd stuff, but it matters. This is their biggest test per DVOA. Now, do you put much into that? I don't know. I do somewhat, but it doesn't always matter because you have to play the game still. But that being said, the Commanders have never or have not yet this year faced a team like the San Francisco 49ers. Again, in their last five games, Eagles, who are a great team this year, number one seed for a reason, but Texans, Falcons, Giants, and Giants. Yeah, okay, you ran them all against the Texans who suck. The Falcons, who are a fairly good run defense team, but they scored 13 points in that game. Commander scored 19 points in that game. Played the Giants twice in three weeks. Okay, <laughs> at what point does a team who has to scheme for you, or if you're Washington, to me it's less impressive knowing that you had the Giants a bye week than the Giants, and you scored less points the second time you played them after your bye week. <laughs> like, this offense is not impressive whatsoever. And if they want to, and they're probably going to, try to establish the run, I mean, good night. Like, Steph Curry, who's hurt, unfortunately, but night-night. The Niners against the run this year. Their opponents are averaging 21.7 attempts per game. So basically, what they did against the Giants last week where they scored 12 points, where they made Taylor Heineke be the one to win the game for them, and he couldn't do it. But again, continuing here, 21.7 attempts per game. That ranks first in football. San Francisco does not make or does not allow their opponents to run the football. One of the why? Because their opponents are always playing from behind. It's There are no short yardage downs. It's third and seven, third and eight, because they stuff the run on first and second down. Yards per game, 74.7. That ranks first in football. 
the last three games for San Francisco. Three games. That's what? That's uh, the Dolphins, the Bucks, and the Seahawks. Teams who don't want necessarily to establish the run, but a team that has Raheem Mostert, Jeff Olson Jr., Rashad White, Leonard Fournette. In Seattle, who has Kenneth Walker, who's having one of the best years of any rookie. 13.7 attempts per game. Their opponents are like, oh my God, we can't run the football, and they abandon it early. Tampa Bay said, hey Brady, win us the game. Miami said, hey Tua, win us the game. Seattle said, hey Geno Smith, on Smartly, mind you, win us the game. They couldn't do it. They're allowing 57.3 yards per game in the last three games on the ground. It's a lot of stats, and I get that, but my point is, San Francisco matches up so freaking well against what Washington wants to do primarily on offense. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, good luck. And you add in Javon Kinlaw back, who who knows what the impact is, but it's a free player. It's another body who's huge. I have seen Javon Kinlaw up close and personal. Oh my God. I mean, you talk about a behemoth of a man. Like, I was like, hey man, I'm kind of scared over here. <laughs> That's a really big guy. You know, not to be, you know, Scooby-Doo, but sawing Scoob. Like, that's what it was like. I feel like Shaggy, yeah, I was horrified. Because that man is... And look, I'm 6'2", 230 pounds. Like, and Javon Kinlaw's like 6'7". He's huge. I was scared. And to most people, I'm a larger man. And I was like, good God. Mom tucked me in at night. I'm, I'm nervous. But at home, San Francisco is even better 17 attempts per game 60 yards per game every statistic you want to point to san francisco ranks number one against the run in the nfl when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply the commander's bread and butter about to get melted melted on Saturday against the Niners. They can't do it. Just can't do it. Like, like what they want to establish will be so unsuccessful, which thankfully, and it's my fault, but brings me to my next point. This game is going to be on Taylor Heineke's shoulders. And to me, and look, I do like Heineke. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he can he can exist. <laughs> like, Heineke's likely not going to be the reason you win games, and he's not going to be the reason you lose games, but he has a higher chance to be a reason you lose games than winning you games. He is a bottom-tier quarterback in the NFL that fits their system to a T. He's mobile enough to escape the pocket, to extend plays, I mean, this is the guy who almost beat Tom Brady in 2020. He had everyone saying, who the heck is this guy? Maybe they have somebody in this kid. And I think they do. 
but they're already talking they might go back to Carson Wentz. And Heineke's brought them into the playoff picture. They sucked with Carson Wentz, and he was like, hey, I'll step up there. And he's been good for them. He's been good. He's been fine. But I do think just like the Seattle game, we talked about how all the stats were like, oh, my God, Geno Smith is so good and so good. Like, oh, he's been so great this year. And it's like, yeah, I don't really care about the comp percentage. I don't care. Because Geno Smith had, what, eight turnovers in his last three games, and it was just, ugh, he's not playing well. Heineke's kind of the same thing. In his last five games against the Eagles, Texans, Giants twice, and Falcons. So, I can argue three not good defenses, one really good defense in Philadelphia, and an okay defense in the Giants, right? They're young, they're explosive, they're fun to watch. But, in his last five games... Heineke has a 60% comp percentage. That's not great. He's averaging 213 passing yards per game. That's not great. Five touchdowns, so one touchdown per game. Two picks and six fumbles. He's averaging, he has a five to eight touchdown to turnover differential. That's awful. That's not good. And you're going to face this defense that is getting turnovers like crazy that in, in the past five weeks, I believe has a 12 to like one or a has 12 turnovers in their last like five games. It's, it's been, this defense is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like that's not going to be good enough to get the job done. Now, to be fair, there aren't many quarterbacks that are good enough to get the job done against this defense, but Taylor Heineke is far from that person, and I can argue he's bad enough where this could be ugly. Like This could be an ugly game, at least for the commander's offense, right? And to add insult to injury, he's been sacked eight times in his last five games. The commander's offensive line ranks 21st in the NFL. Can I just say, uh, Nick Bosa, hey, Hey, Bosa, you want some more sacks? You want to increase your defensive player of the year odds? This is the game to do so. This is the game. Hey, Javon Kinlaw, you want to have a good first game back into the fray? This is the game for you. Washington cannot run the football successfully. Their quarterback is turnover prone, and he doesn't like... What was the talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The talk was, look, he throws too many picks, too many turnovers. The The risk isn't worth the reward. And that's why you go for Trey Lance and whatever's going on with him, whatever. But there's Mahomes and there's Burrow and there's, you know, at a time there was Russell Wilson, who's really bad this year. But my point more so is you have Josh Allens and Tua's and, and Mahomes and Burrow's. Guys, you can say, wow, I will take you throwing 10 picks. I would take you, you know, throwing balls into the tightest of windows because you're going to score four touchdowns this game. Or because you're so good, you can overcome anything. Like, Patrick Mahomes literally is the Chiefs. That defense is so bad in Kansas City. So bad. And I mean awful. Awful bad. Like, ugh, gross. Like, bad milk 
spoiled cheese is like awful. But because they have Patrick Mahomes, they are near the top in winning this or in Super Bowl odds because of just Mahomes. Well, not many quarterbacks since Mahomes or even all year have hurt this defense. So I'm not leaning towards Heineke doing that. (laughs) It's not the case. And if you're saying, like, the Commanders have no punch on offense despite having McLaurin and Dotson and Samuel. And those are three good, if not top 10 receivers in the NFL. McLaurin is absolutely amazing. He's amazing. But then I can say, okay, look, he's amazing, great. Lenore is also great. Hufunga is also great. Gibson's been good. Jimmy Ward's been phenomenal this year in the slot since getting healthy. And I haven't even mentioned Traverius Ward, who since 2019 has allowed the lowest completion rate at 51.6 again since 2018. Four years. He's been one of the best cornerbacks in football, and he's also forced the highest tight window rate. He's allowing no separation. 34.6%. And against DK Metcalf, he locked him. Hashtag Pat McAfee. Don. Locked him down. Like, my God. Who do you think's going to be guarding McLaurin the entire game? Oh, it's going to be Mooney Ward. <laughs> because one of the why, because he's a lockdown cornerback. And so I said, okay, so we've taken away your run. Now pass. Oh, your quarterback ain't great. He throws picks, he fumbles, and your receivers can't get open. How does that not spell doom for the Washington Commanders? And again, I like Washington. They're a fun team. I'll watch them play. They have some fun players. I'll root for the Washington Commanders. I get why you don't, but I'll root for them. They're a team where I say, wow, they're 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 gritty, they fight. I like Taylor Heineke, but they're averaging 20 points a game since he took over in week seven. In the last three weeks, 17 points a game against the Giants two times in the Falcons. I mean, come on. Like, their offense lacks punch. It lacks oomph. It's like, yeah, we exist. We'll put up 17 points. But then you're putting up those points against average, maybe slightly above average defenses. And now you're playing the number one defense in the NFL. Who has Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw playing out of their mind. Who has one of the best corners in the NFL and, and Ward and and Hufunga's a pro bowler now. And you have Nick Bosa and Kinlaw's like, it just doesn't seem like this is going to be fair for the Washington Commanders. Now, I know I've talked a lot of, you know, negatively towards the offense. Their defense is good. They got a good defense. And I was like, man, like, their front seven is nice. And it's more their defensive line, but their defensive line is nice. Like, Allen's great. Uh, Deron Payne is great. You got Chase Young back. They, They have a good defensive line. And I can argue they have one of the best defensive lines in football. Like, one of the best. And just kind of how their offense has struggled recently, their defense is hitting its stride. They have not allowed over 21 points since 
Week five. Week five. This is a good defense. This is a good defense, folks. A really good defense. And I I think people know that, but I don't think people understand how good they actually are. It's like, yeah, you know, Washington, they have a good defense. Okay, great. No, no. They have a really, like, they have a top 10 defense in football. That's how good they've been this year. Now, they do have areas they struggle. Run defense is really good. Number four in football this year. But their pass defense is 15. And if, if, if look, if Brock Purdy's going to have, I don't want to say a big game, but if Brock Purdy's going to be able to continue his success, win his first three starts, win, you can argue, the first four games he's played in, outside of that Chiefs game, we don't count that, but this is a game where that's going to happen, or at least could happen for him. I don't see Washington, you know, taking San Francisco down to the wire at Levi's. I don't see that. What I see is San Francisco manhandling their offense, and I see us having to kind of grind out the victory offensively, but that's kind of been nothing new for this year, right? And and what I mean by that is I've seen this team beat the Saints because they scored one offensive touchdown. And the Saints offense, I could argue, is equal to, if maybe a little worse than the Commanders. Like, again, it's not like Washington's going to put up 20 points. That's not going to happen. Or at least 24 points, right? Like, San Francisco this year has been another level defensively. And offensively this year, they have, I mean, been better than they ever have the past three weeks. They're efficient. And that's not having Debo last week. Like, this is a game where I see George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey just saying, hey, give me the ball. Why not? Make them stop us. And I don't think this game's going to get vertical. I think it's going to be a very, you know, five yards, five yards, five yards, three yards, six yards, seven yards, five yards, five yards, five yards. It's going to be one of those games that I think is 24 to 10, 24 to 13. And I do think it's just a a defensive powerhouse that then later in the game, or at least at the end of the game, you look back and say, wow, the Niners dominated. And while maybe the final score doesn't show that, I do think we'll say, well, I mean, come on. Like, this game was never close. (laughs) Because this game is going to be Chris McCaffrey heavy. It always is. He had 36 touches last week. I hope that changes. I hope it's like 25 this week. But I do feel like it's going to be... And here. Here's how I'll say this. I think the biggest separator, besides how good San Francisco's defense is, because, again, Washington has a top 10 defense. I think the biggest separator in this game is Kyle Shanahan. I think he is the biggest difference maker for the Niners. I think he will be able to make Brock Purdy's life 10 times easier. And when you factor in the fact that the commanders do not sack the quarterback, they're ranked 16th in the NFL in sacks this year. That ain't great. Middle of the pack. You may have one. Might have one. And they don't get turnovers. So you're telling me a turnover-prone quarterback 
for Washington with a running game who likely won't be able to be successful is going to face a defense who is tops in the NFL, gets turnovers, and going to give the ball back to a quarterback who's playing the best he ever has in his entire life with a head coach who is scheming up the best plays he ever has, arguably his entire life, with a running back who has the most scrimmage yards in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle coming off a two-touchdown performance against Seattle that just allowed them to clinch the division. And you're saying that eh, it might lean towards Washington. I don't think anyone's saying that. I think this game for Kyle Shanahan is kind of the bread and butter. Get in, get out, nobody move, nobody get hurt. Now, I would like to think we see some more Jordan Mason in this game. Like, please don't let Christian McCaffrey get hurt. Knock on every piece of wood. I just think that this game for San Francisco is Kyle Shanahan find the open space for Brock Purdy to make the simple throw. I don't need a 65-yard touchdown pass. This game is going to be won five yards at a time, whether on the ground or in the air. This is going to be one of those games where you look back and say, wow, the stats weren't great, but they won the game. Yeah, that makes sense. Most teams that play Washington stats aren't great. But when the Washington Commanders lose... They lose close games. Again, 21 points. Haven't allowed it since week five. They show up defensively. This game might be 23 to 10. But for Shanahan, find open pockets in the defense for Purdy. Purdy, don't do too much. Play within yourself, within the scheme, within the offense. Get McCaffrey the ball. Get Kittle the ball in open space, then let them do the work. Let them create the excitement. You don't have Debo, right? Okay, well, so what do you do? Run, run, pass. Like, like this is a very simple game plan for me. Now, I ain't the head coach. I ain't the coordinators. This could be a they could be saying we're taking shots downfield 24-7. But I just think this is a game where you want to play compact. You want to play smart because Washington's going to fight. And I think that's the difference between Seattle and maybe the Buccaneers. And I can even say Miami, but they were they're actually a good team. But the commanders are going to fight. This game feels more like, like despite Heineke playing more like Geno Smith, this game feels more like the Saints game to me than the Seattle game or the Buccaneers game. This game feels like it's going to be low scoring rather boring, but I do think ultimately, no pun intended, San Francisco does command this game from start to finish. I just think it's going to be boring, just like the commander's jerseys. They're going to be burgundy and boring and just plain, but they're going to win this game. I think that, again, it just keep it simple, stupid, right? That's That's the phrase. Keep it simple. You don't have to do too much to beat Washington. They'll beat themselves. They'll fight, but they'll find a way to lose this game. Taylor Heineke will find a way to lose this game. But I do think McCaffrey's going to have a big game here. Look, it doesn't matter the offense you play. You do not play a player 
or face a player like Christian McCaffrey ever. Unless you're facing Christian McCaffrey. He's just different. He is right now this year, I've said it plenty of times, the best offensive weapon in football. Football. He's number one. And that brings me to not only my prediction for this game, which is 23-10, to 10, but it also brings me to our final topic of the podcast, which is what in the world was the Pro Bowl voting? Like, the Pro Bowl, albeit it's a mess, it's dumb, it's boring, they're not even playing a game this year, it's the Pro Bowl games this year, which I think is better. But, and first off, congratulations to Nick Bosa, Hufunga, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Fred Warner, Trent Williams. Six Pro Bowlers on this team. Bosa's third Pro Bowl, Kittle's fourth, Juszczyk's seventh, Fred Warner's second. Only a second? That's crazy. Trent Williams is tenth. He'll be a Hall of Famer. And Talanoa Hufunga's first of his entire career. Great stuff. Clap it up for Talanoa Hufunga and the rest of the Niners representatives in the Pro Bowl this year, but that ain't the conversation we're going to have. We're going to talk about who the heck got snubbed because they put out the alternatives list and it had Wisnowski, Mooney Ward, Debo Samuel, McLeod made it, Robbie Gold made it, Jake Brendel made it, but it was the final two names. One name not listed, one name was listed, and the top one was Christian McCaffrey. And... This is the most baffling part to me. So the fans knew Christian McCaffrey was good enough to make the Pro Bowl. He led every single running back in fan vote. Top guy. Fans said, yep, that guy should be in. His own peers, that means coaches and other players, said, nah. Despite you leading the NFL in scrimmage yards... They said, nah, not good enough. Eh, somebody else can have it. I'm sorry. Shouldn't your all-star game, your Pro Bowl, shouldn't that have the best players in it? Like That's like the NBA all-star game saying, hey, LeBron, don't play, or not voting him in. Hey, Steph Curry, not going to vote you in. Like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I can argue Christian McCaffrey, albeit very different sports. Stephen Curry is the most electrifying player in the NBA, right? We can, we can only say he's the most exciting player. When he's on fire, it is unlike anybody else in the NBA. Isn't that Christian McCaffrey? When he's on fire, every single time he touches the football, it's must-see TV. And that guy didn't make the Pro Bowl because his Peers, were they butthurt they got their ass kicked? Was that why? Oh, Chris McCaffrey beat us. Man, I'm bitter. I'm butthurt. Ugh. Like, what? You kidding me? Miles Sanders made it. Who He's having a good year, but he ain't Chris McCaffrey. Tony Pollard made it. He's having a great year. He's not Chris McCaffrey. And I think Pollard's better than Sanders. <laughs> I'm just saying. But then the other one arguably more egregious because he didn't even make the alternate list was Trey Greenlaw. And now look, I know that around the NFL, if you said, hey, 
do you know Dre Greenlaw? They would say, who the heck is that? Like a Walker, Texas Ranger character? Who's Dre Greenlaw? Like, what? <laughs> I get it. He's not a name. He ain't a Fred Warner, a Bobby Wagner. He ain't, he ain't a name. But Dre Greenlaw's playing the best football he's ever played, which means nothing sometimes. But in this case, is like top five in the NFL for linebackers. And people have the audacity to say, oh, you know, linebackers only got four guys. Trey Greenlaw's a top four linebacker this year in the NFL. Top four. He leads the best or is second on the best defensive football and tackles. He's forced two fumbles in the last, I believe, three weeks. And he's forced like four turnovers in the last seven weeks. Like, my God. Who else? Like, Guys like Xavier Howard, albeit on the AFC side, made it. Xavier Howard has not been good this year. Not at all. He's a good player. Had a good career. Not good this year. Dre Greenlaw, he's a good player. And he's freaking great this year. How do you not vote that in? How do you not vote someone like... Like, Debo Samuel knows. The fans know. Now, I understand, again, he's not a known commodity. And the only thing I can say to everybody who was snubbed, McCaffrey and Greenlaw, even the guys who made the frickin' team, you know how you make the world know your name? You know how you make them say, wow, that guy should have been in the Pro Bowl? Is that you're so good and you make it so far, you tell the Pro Bowl, no. I'm going to snub you. Want to know why? Because I'm playing in Arizona in the freaking Super Bowl. I'll take the better trophy. I don't want the consolation. You had a great year. Now play dodgeball. <laughs> I want the Lombardi. That's what you do if you're Dre Greenlaw. Well, you want to go play dodgeball in shorts and a jersey and a visor? No, I want to hold the Lombardi and bring that freaking thing back to San Francisco slash Santa Clara, the Bay Area, and celebrate that thing with the restless fan base. So I'll tell you what. I've had plenty of people talk to me about, you know, Brock Purdy might be the guy. This this is our year. And you know what? I I'm buying in. I'm buying in. I if you ask me right now and look Every podcast, I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to come here and BS you and say, they'll win every game. And I'll run down why I think each team might give us problems. I'll run down why each team, you know, might be a dud against us and will kick their butt. I'll do that. I'm not going to come here and be a homer. That ain't me. That ain't who I want to be. It's never who I'll be. I want to give it to you straight. I'll be wrong plenty of times. And I'll say when I'm wrong. I'll do it all the time. Heck, right now, I might be wrong about Trey Lance. And if that happens, I'll say, yep, that was a dud. He was a bust. We'll give him time, but I'm just saying, I will tell you when I'm wrong. But right now, this just feels different. And maybe it's the Christmas season. Maybe it's the the holiday times. Maybe I've watched Home Alone 1 and 2 7,000 times too much on Freeform. I don't know what it is. My mom has the homework on all the time, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? It's like every single girl is like singing songs and eating gingerbread. I have no idea what the feeling is. 
but it feels different. This team feels special. And not in a way of like 2019 where it was like, wow, we're surprising and we're good and this is amazing because it's not supposed to be us. This is, no, no, this is supposed to be us. Now, it's been an interesting journey there, but this is supposed to be us. We should have six, if not more, guys in the Pro Bowl. We should be 10-4. and four. Now, it shouldn't be on a third-string quarterback, but, you know, the journey's pretty interesting. But this is us. This should be who the San Francisco 49ers are in 2022. And because of that, right now, I'll stake my claim and say, if you were to ask me on this day, December 22nd at 10.59 p.m., and the 95-7 the game, Studio D. Who do you think is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? I'll tell you, it's the San Francisco 49ers. i got a long way to go, but I believe at the end, that's going to be us. And if you ask me who's going to win, I'll pound the table twice and say the San Francisco 49ers. We got a long season left. We have three regular season games left. But I think I've bought in. I think I know who this team is. I think I know who their third string quarterback is. I do think this team is not only good enough with their third string quarterback, but they're going to get Debo back, Elijah Mitchell back. Juwan Kinlaw is back. I do think this team right now should scare everybody. I'm talking Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, Bengals. I want all the smoke. <laughs> I want all the smoke. That being said, I do think San Francisco wins this Saturday 23-10. to I also want to wish everyone who listens a big thank you, first off. It, the podcast has taken off thousands of views. You guys have been awesome. It, it just really, it's been, it, it means a lot. It, it genuinely does. That a thousand people, even a hundred people, will listen to me talk about the, the, the Niners. That me and, and, and myself will just rant for 45 minutes to an hour and you'll say, yeah, I'll listen to that guy. That means a lot to me. And I want to say a big thank you as we near the end of the year. But I want to say a big Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you do around this time. I want to wish you the best. If you're going to the game this Saturday, enjoy yourself. If you're going with your family, if you're just sitting down at home this weekend, whether you're alone or with family and friends, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays. I hope you have just a great holiday season. It's cold. It's really cold. Bundle up, drink some coffee, watch some Netflix, watch some football. And if you feel up to it, go to a football game. And to shamelessly plug our promo code, <laughs> use our promo code 49ers Access, 49 ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Playoff tickets just went on sale for the Niners. 
you can still use that promo code if you want to see this team, no matter who they play in the playoffs this year at Levi Stadium, use that promo code. Save yourself some money. Also, if you're still looking for a Christmas gift, you're a little late, but if you're still looking for a Christmas gift and you want to buy that special someone, some Niners gear, or really any team out there, if you're a Commanders fan and you just found the podcast, I'm sorry, you're going to lose, but you can use our promo code or use our link down in the description for fanatics.com. Save yourself some money and get your favorite team sports gear with our link down below. It's cheaper and it supports the show in the meantime. Also, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter And until next time, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.